1: From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with me, Marshall Ramsey. This is the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, so today we're going to sit down and talk with Angela Westbrook, Vice President of Southern Grace Angelic Gowns. We're going to talk with her about the nonprofit organization about the Butterfly Release event happening this weekend. Plus, Michelle and I will be having the latest stories in the weekly roundup. If you'd like to be part of the show... Give us a call, 877-MPB-RING. That's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Or you can drop us an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking, only on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Good, very rainy morning. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. So today our guest is Angela Westbrook, Vice President of Southern Grace Angelic Gowns. Uh, We're going to talk with her about the nonprofit organization that transforms donated wedding dresses into burial garments for babies who are still born or die shortly after birth. And about, of course, they've got a big butterfly event coming up this weekend. Of course, by this time, the weather's going to be perfect. I know. It's going to get all this rain out of there. And, of course, uh, we'll welcome her online in just a minute. She's got a great story, very powerful. And I look forward to sharing it with you because, you know, this is something that I didn't really know much about it. I mean, I just I knew about it. I've had friends that have lost babies and I know how incredibly traumatic it is. When the Barbara Bush cartoons, and I'm going to uh, talk to her, to Angel a little bit about that too, but when the Barbara Bush cartoon hit last year that many of you may have seen because it went super duper viral, and I had Barbara reuniting with their daughter daughter Robin that they'd lost when she was three from leukemia, and I started hearing from – parents who had lost children and i mean i'm not just they're not just saying hey the cartoon meant a lot to me marshall thank you for calling me or doing the cartoon no they actually shared their stories with me and it was very emotional and i cried together with many of them over 600 stories i heard after that cartoon launched and it was just something that really got on my radar at that point and i'm, I'm just very glad that angel's here and to tell her story and what the work that they do because there's a lot of people that suffer in silence and you know That's tough. And and I know that just from my mom having breast cancer way back in the day. She had it in like in 77 and nobody talked about it back then. And, you know, anytime you go through trauma in your life and you have to sit on it and you have to swallow it, it can cause all kinds of terrible ramifications down the road. And on top of that, you're going to be miserable in the meantime. So... I think today's show is going to be incredibly powerful. Thank you for being part of it, and thank you for listening. Of course, Michelle, thank you for you. I hope you had a good weekend over the weekend.
0: I had a great weekend. And um, piggybacking on what you said in our talk earlier with Angela, I like that um, when I bring a guest in that takes tragedy and turns it into passion. Oh yeah, amen. And what she, what you, and that is especially being a counselor. That is the main selling point of how you deal with grief. Everybody deals with it differently. You have your good days and bad days, as, as Angela and I pointed out, but you take all that pain and that anguish and you turn it into something else and you're still healing at the same time but when you help others when you do something outside of yourself yeah and it helps you focus take the focus off of yourself and put it on others and when you're helping other parents that have gone through and you can talk to the parents that went through everything you went through because you went through it It, you know exactly how i know when somebody says yeah i know how you feel i can't tell you i know how you feel but you can tell another parent that went through the same thing I know exactly how you feel This is what helped me, this is, might help you And I love how you put your Passion, um, put your tragedy and turned it into Passion, I can't wait for you to tell your story Because um, I
1: tell you, when you're in grief You tend to turn inward and it becomes a spiral It's almost like a whirlpool that you can't break out of And when you do, you take it And you take that pain and you pull it out, out like that and I, and I can tell you, just on a little bit different front I had really bad anxiety when I had cancer And so it was like, we created a 5K race Very similar to what Angela's gonna talk about what the butterfly release and you know once you start meeting other people that have walked your journey you can hug and you can cry together and it's so incredibly powerful and I I know that this event is gonna be so healing for so many people
0: and you know what's funny also um, as we were preparing for this show today uh, my daughter turned 16 last week and funny I felt happy but I also felt guilty I felt a little guilty of celebrating and being so excited about my daughter turning 16 and thinking about you and the other mothers who won't feel that. But, you know, I said I have to be happy in my own life, and we had a great weekend. We had a little overnight uh, sweet slumber party, and she had a great time with her family. Yeah, I'm glad everything
1: went well because you planned that thing out pretty – I mean, you put a lot of thought into it.
0: I do, and let me tell you what's funny. We can make this funny as a teenage mom, and Angela – I can't wait to continue being friends with you because when your daughter or son turns 16, and it will happen, we're going to laugh about this. Um, when you have birthday parties, Marshall as well, he has three sons, so he knows the different levels of um, love that you get from your kids at certain times. of Yes. <laughs> okay, so four-year-olds, oh, my God, they're so excited. Twelve, eh, a little bit, you know. Now she's sixteen. Guess what, guys? Well, she's
1: a teenager. You got to drop her off four hundred yards Wait from the school.
0: I spent so much money on this beautiful three mm-hmm. three layer cake. Yeah, how
1: did that go? By the way, did she like the cake?
0: That's what I'm going to tell you. Oh no! I decorated. She better the like the no, cake. No, she liked the cake. The okay. Cake. Everyone in the restaurant was walking over, like that is gorgeous. They liked the cake so too. Right. Yeah. But I decorated the room. I put happy birthday on the uh, hotel thing. I put uh, the little applicates that you can put the names. So it was three different girls' birthdays, 116, 117, and 118. So I put everybody's name on there. They thought that was the corniest thing no, ever. No, when I got back Mm-mm-mm. to the hotel, guys, I went to the store. I came back to the hotel, went to their room. Everything was off the wall. My little heart just broke and I didn't tell her that. I haven't told her this yet because they're out of school today. So I didn't tell her that. But, you know, I wanted to say, you know, all the little hard little in- nuances that I put around the room. stuff. You guys thought that was so not cool. Cause she's like, we're not for. And it's funny how I had to laugh. I'm like, I'm treating her like she's still a little kid and she is cool. But, you know, the funny thing, thing about
1: that and you think, oh, she's not paying attention <laughs> or she's not noticing. But the thing is, she's noticing it. She's just putting probably that front on for her friends or, what, right. or her friends and everything, but there will come a quiet moment when she comes up and gives you a hug and I see that with my boys all the time, you know we do stuff, and particularly my wife my wife is like the most amazing person about doing stuff for people she loves to do that, that is her love language, she likes to do do and all kinds of things and and, and sometimes, you know, they're boys they don't, you know, they leave the toilet seat up they leave all the cabinet doors open they get straight A's and they're great kids but they, you know, they have that moment, and so, you know Sometimes she's kind of like, oh, they didn't notice. And it's like, yeah, they noticed. They, Those kid, my three boys, would would literally take on, go to battle to protect their mom. They and love I their mom. I think I
0: see that. I see oh, a little bit does. of that. Of course she does. Like, if I'm sad, she'll say... What's wrong? I hurt your feelings. Like, it's a joke, but I think she's seriously oh, no, asking no. me. Oh, I would,
1: I tell you what, I you would take all of her stuff in a room, and I would take it to Goodwill and leave her with an empty that's room. That's what
0: I say. Yeah. Are you are you oh, What's I didn't wrong? Say, <laughs> I
1: didn't say don't just come down on her like four. I mean, you know, you bring some heavy thunder and yeah, lightning on her.
0: funny. People say, yeah, Jordan is spoiled. She is spoiled. But, you know what? Uh, that's my baby, so I do. But well, again, you got to do what you got to do. I can't wait to celebrate your baby, um... Uh, with you um can't wait. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So it's Monday, guys. Yeah, and, speaking uh, of thunder
1: and lightning out there, right. be careful. I'm, I'm about to drive to Oxford. It's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> look, at the radar. It looks mm-hmm. it looks like somebody spilled ketchup and mustard all over it. There's just mm-hmm. red and orange everywhere. Yeah. So be careful and slow down. Last time I did something like this on the, in the road, there were 15 cars in the ditch. Because mm-hmm. everybody thinks, hey, it's raining. I can drive 90 miles an hour. <laughs> and you can't, just to let you know. Well, there was that. an
0: accident coming in right here by Woodrow Wilson this morning. So lanes were blocked all the way around, I feel. 55 uh, south, so yeah. I got off and went through downtown, but you know when it's an accident on the highway, downtown is bumper to bumper as well, so yes, every morning seems like especially when it's raining, there is an it's accident
1: It's that m- a mysterious wet stuff that hits the windshield <laughs> that makes everybody lose their mind I know, right? And we hadn't really had that much rain We had that one 5-inch rain last mm-hmm. week, but mm-hmm. I mean we really haven't had that much rain in the last three months, so sure. I think everybody's forgotten where their windshield wiper switch is they don't know how to turn their lights on mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they, ex- they think they need to slam on their brakes. True. Well, it's I'm great.
0: excited about the fall. Uh, I'm a December baby, so I'm excited about October, De- November, I've December. I've heard that about
1: you. You're a December baby. Yes. And yes. so
0: if you're looking for the best fall festivals, especially Halloween coming up, mm-hmm. I'm showcasing showcasing uh, Haunted Houses on Next Stop Mississippi every week. Oh, that'll be so, fun. So um, every week we've had the last two uh, weeks we've uh, featured Haunted Houses, one in Brandon, and then I have one on the coast this Halloween show. Coming up on Friday uh, is the Halloween show. So if you're looking for festivals, fall festivals, something lighter for the younger kids, like trick or uh, trunk or treat and those things like that, always check out our events calendar at mpbonline.org/events, and you can always find out what's going on in your city.
1: So, what are you dressing up for for Halloween?
0: I'm actually I don't want to say it, but I'm going to be a media mogul. I'll give you some hints. She's a media mogul. She's from Mississippi. Um, she moved and to- a car
1: for you and a car for you. She moved yeah. to Chicago. And a piece of candy corn for you, candy but, corn but for you. But guess
0: what? I have a twist on it. Uh-huh. A comedian told me to do this, and I said, I love it. She told me, don't be Oprah. Be her, be Oprah's uh, psychotic fan. So cut your picture of your face, put it in front of the old magazine, That was the funniest thing ever. I said, I'm going to do that. So I'm going to dress up with my wig and my dresses. I have many dresses and go to the party. As the crazy psycho fan of Oprah, my name will be Hopra. And my boyfriend's name is steadfast. (laughs) He doesn't even exist. He's just my boyfriend. I understand. <laughs> I called him steadfast. <laughs> and so the whole night, and I'm actually hosting a, um, an open mic night on Halloween. So it's going to be real funny because I'll actually be on stage. So I'll be saying little... Um, Oprah nuances all night and things like
1: That'll that. That'll be fun. That'll be funny. That'll be fun. I'm really looking forward to this week I get to go to Nashville and enjoy, I love the trip, but I get to go up because my mentor, the guy that actually gave me my start as an editorial cartoonist way back when I was at the University of Tennessee a zillion and a half years ago and is almost like my second dad now. He is being... Awarded the Tennessee Governor's Arts Award, which is a big deal. Of course, in Mississippi, I mean, just think about the kind of talent we have here. They have the talent there. But he's getting named that on Wednesday, and he gets to bring one guest beside his wife, and they've said they want me to come, so I get to go up and I'm really looking forward to it. He is nine years old. He still he got laid off from work, believe it or not, after a sixty-year career as the editorial cartoonist in Knoxville, Tennessee. But Charlie, his name's Charlie Daniel, not Daniels, he's not the fiddle player. Charlie is absolutely one of the sharpest guys. He still drives to football games. He used to go into work every day. I mean, he's just who I want to be when I grow up. And I'm so glad that I'm going to get to be there for him. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm thinking about actually stopping in at my cousin's new place, Dave Ramsey, the financial guy. He's got a new building, so I get to see family, too. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll be doing a couple more speeches around town. Um, But the next big one we've got for Mississippi today, we're going to do Marshalls, Mississippi down in Hattiesburg. So I get to go down and see my friends down there. So it's, I've literally driven 5,000 miles in the last three weeks.
0: I never asked you, uh, how's um, Ramsey, your cousin and your mom, or dad's side? My dad's side.
1: Oh, okay. We both have the same last name. Right, right. Yeah, so, so, um, yeah, no, his dad and my dad are brothers. So my dad was Dave Ramsey, Mm -hmm. and he was named after my dad, and his name was tom ramsey his dad's name is and my first name's thomas Oh, that's cute yeah so so that's they switched because they they actually liked each other and so they (laughs) they they did that and so um people are like do you follow dave ramsey's stuff i'm like yeah he's my dad and they're like oh he's your dad and your cousin i said yeah my family's from east tennessee what do you expect so there you go all right we got a really powerful show today y'all hang in there looking forward to our guests coming in gonna take a quick break, but our guest is the Vice President of Southern Grace of Angelic Gowns. Angela, I like that. Angelic, Angela Westbrook. She'll be in. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is
0: an MPB
1: Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPV Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. So today, our guest, I tell you what, she's just incredible, um, just an amazing woman who turned tragedy into passion and awareness. Let's welcome Angela Westbrook to the show. She's with Southern Grace and Angelic Gowns. Um Gosh, Angela, I really enjoyed getting to know you. Thank you for coming in today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. And
1: thanks for braving the weather. You came all the way up from the coast today. <laughs> yes. So that's great. You've been on the coast, gosh, since 2011. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So thanks for coming. Um, well, I'll tell you what, we'll kick it off because I, I think your um history is pretty darn important. And we'll, t- So where did it all begin?
2: So starting kind of from the very beginning... My husband and I are mm-hmm. high school sweethearts. We actually started dating our senior year of high school. That's but cool. We actually knew each other all throughout junior high and high school. We were in the marching band together, so we spent a lot of time together. What um, instruments
1: to to all play?
2: So we're actually both percussionists. I'm okay. a bells player. He's a drummer. Okay. Um, that's been a fun little joke between us our entire relationship about whether bells are part of percussion or not. So uh yeah.
1: Um oh I can see some major fights getting started there. <laughs> yeah,
2: so it's been interesting that way. But yeah, so we were in the band together, started mm-hmm. dating, finally our senior year. Um oh, what brought it what brought y'all together? Um just he kind of worked up the nerve finally, and finally, and you're
1: like, It's about time. <laughs> well, no, okay,
2: he kind of Uh-oh. frustrated me a lot throughout the band years because I mean, drummers, band members, boys in general. Well, yeah, you know, and you're
1: spending a lot of time with each other too, right. so
2: so we, you know, we knew each other, but we mm-hmm. weren't really close growing up, right? But then, senior year, we started spending more time together and developed a friendship, and eventually, he did ask me out, and we started dating throughout senior year. And then I got accepted to the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and I made the decision to go over to Birmingham for school, and he stayed in Vicksburg to work. So we actually started a five-year long-distance relationship. Five years? Yes. So you know
1: I-20 quite well.
2: Yes, very well, all too well. Um, A lot of people asked us, y'all going to break up? No. Why would we break up just for being long-distance? But it worked out. Um, I graduated high or graduated college with my MBA Mm -hmm. and he was located. He had moved down to the coast at that point. Okay. I moved to the coast to be with him. Couldn't find work, wound up finding work up in Laurel. So again, continuing long distance relationship for a little while longer. Um, after a year and a half of that, so six and a half years total long distance, we finally said, all right, we're done with this. I moved back to the coast, finally found work. And we were finally, after that, able to get married. We had delayed our wedding for quite a while at that point. So after delaying our wedding for a little while, we finally got married um, in 2014. And we knew right away that we wanted to start a family. Yeah. Well, I have um, a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. And one of the effects of PCOS is struggles with fertility. And I was one of those that I fell in that category. So it took three and a half years of fertility treatments, of tears, of stress. Oh, that's so stressful. It was. Um, I actually read something somewhere that the stress of infertility, now just the stress alone, not the condition, but just the stress alone, the stress of infertility is equal to the stress that somebody with cancer goes through. Wow. It's that yeah. stressful. People don't realize it. Well, you've got to figure, is.
1: too, that it, it makes it even harder to get pregnant with the stress. Right. Yeah.
2: And it's also a very taboo topic. A lot of people don't talk about infertility. Um, that's one of the things that I've tried to be open about because it's nothing to be ashamed right. of. It's, you know, the reality of things. People would say, well, when are you going to have kids? Well, for your information, I've been going to fertility treatments for the past three years. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. So um, after three and a half years of going through this, I had been feeling quite on par. And yeah, Kevin said something about he's like, well, why don't you take a pregnancy test? I was like, I've already taken a test last week. I know I'm not pregnant. He said, well, just take one anyways, just to be sure. Took the test. I was getting ready that morning. And I happened to turn my head just in the process of getting ready. And I glanced down during that process. And I happened to see that second pink line.
1: Which has got to be one of the happiest moments of your life.
2: I didn't believe it. Yeah. Um, He was still halfway asleep. I actually went in there and kind of started hitting him on the arm. I said, Kevin, 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 wake up. Uh, What do you see here? And I showed him the test. He goes, I see two lines. What does that mean? I was like, that means we're pregnant. So shocked Kind of definitely overtook us. I Did mean, he just
1: fall out of bed? <laughs> uh, like,
2: we both just kind of stood yeah. their jaws open. Like, oh, just wow. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And it finally kind of started hitting us. And we went through and being the, you know, new dad that he was, he wants to take several tests to make sure everything, <laughs> right. I was in fact pregnant. And of course they all came back positive. So I made an appointment with the doctor and we went in and it was still early. So they couldn't tell us a whole lot, just that everything looked like it was set up. On for, course. Yeah. yeah. So I actually, um, a few days after that first appointment, I was actually in a fender vendor and oh, no. we hadn't told anybody we were pregnant yet, or actually, I don't think we had told anybody yet that we were pregnant or very few people, but hadn't told any of our parents yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I had called him because I was in the car by myself. I called Kevin and I'm sobbing and he called his parents. He's like, Hey, look, we need to get over. angel has been in a, in a wreck. And they couldn't figure out why I was freaking out so much because it was just a fender bender. Yeah,
1: because you don't want to tell, just go telling everybody until right. you know for sure everything. You, there's right. certain, like, six weeks or whatever you want to get past. Yeah. That. yeah. So
2: I'm freaking out. And everybody on the scene, you know, the police officer and everybody, I had told them, I was like, you know, I'm early pregnant. And so several people kept coming up to me, How far along are you? How far along are you? You know, and my father in law was standing there. and... <laughs> It's not quite clicking with them. And finally yeah, it kind of like, clicks. What? And so my, my in-laws actually found out that they were going to be grandparents because of a wreck. Um, but went to the doctor's office and everything still looked good from that. Oh, like good. there was okay. no complications or anything with that. So everything went good. Whole pregnancy went really well. Early in the pregnancy, I was diagnosed with diabetes, but that was being very well
1: maintained. Was it, gestal, or was it gestational? No, Excuse me.
2: It was actually full-blown, um, come to find out, type 1 diabetes. Type 1. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But I just wasn't diagnosed until the beginning of my pregnancy, just right. the timing of it. So everything went really well throughout the pregnancy. Um, my doctor had talked about inducing labor at 38 weeks because there are risks with diabetic moms. Right. As it got closer to that 38-week point, though, everything was still looking really good. I had been through all the ultrasounds, all the non-stress tests. Everything always looked really good.
1: Did you find out the gender, too?
2: hmm yeah. We knew that we were having a little girl as ah. soon as we found out we could. Um, so I knew that we were having a little girl.
1: Aww.
2: So we automatically, we had picked out a name early on. Her name was going to be Lisa Grace. Mm-hmm. My mom's name is Lisa. His mom's name is Grace. Okay. So she was going to be named after both of her grandmothers. Um, so we went to our, the last appointment we had at 38 weeks, I thought we were going to be planning, you know, scheduling induction, and everything, but we went in there and my doctor said that everything still looked really great. There was no medical need to induce labor early. All the risks that were normally associated with diabetic moms, none of those risks had come to be. Yeah. So there was no medical reason to induce early. So let's let labor happen on its own. Logical decision. So that was on a Wednesday. Um, went through, I was scheduled to have another appointment the following week, but that weekend on that Sunday, so Wednesday to Sunday, that Sunday I kind of started noticing I hadn't been feeling Lisa moving very much, yeah. and I had been online on all the, you know, pregnancy forums and everything else, and they said, you know, that's kind of normal, don't worry too much, but... Try laying on your left side to see if the baby moves. Try drinking orange juice. See if getting the blood sugar going will help the baby move. Did all that, and I still wasn't getting any movement. So I went and I woke Kevin up. He worked night shifts, so he was asleep during the day. So I went and woke him up, and I told him, I was like, you know, I'm getting kind of worried. He said, well, what's wrong? And so I told him that I hadn't felt Lisa moving very much. And he said, well, what do you want to do? I said... I think I want to go to the hospital and just get everything checked out. I'm sure we're freaking out over nothing, but I'd rather just get it checked out anyway. So we got up, we got dressed and we went to the hospital and the whole time we're telling ourselves, everything's going to be okay. You know, we're just, we're freaking out over nothing. Everything's going to be okay. So they got us the triage, got us upstairs to labor and delivery, and they got me hooked up to the ultrasound machine. And the lady working the ultrasound machine, I'm not sure if she was a nurse or a tech or what her position was, Mm -hmm. but she had been trying to fill around, trying to find the heartbeat. Well, I wasn't too worried at this point because Lisa was always kind of difficult when it came time to do the ultrasounds and non-stress tests. She kind of liked to hide from the machines. So I wasn't too terribly worried, but it was on my radar. And she, the nurse or the tech, whoever she was, said something about, you know, she's having a hard time, but it's a new machine. They're still learning the equipment for her to go get somebody who is more experienced. Were you with getting it.
1: really nervous at that point though?
2: I was I was getting there. Yeah. I was getting there. Um but there was a part of me that was still very much so, no, it's been a healthy pregnancy. Everything's gotta be okay, you know. Right. There can't be anything wrong. Um, next thing I knew my doctor actually walked in. He just so called happened to have been at the hospital. He came in, and he
1: was really—you um, really like him, don't you? Yes, yeah. my
2: doctor was absolutely amazing. He yes. actually was with me throughout all of my infertility treatments and throughout my entire pregnancy. Um, he actually was the one who helped regulate my diabetes because he was diabetic himself. So he was. Oh wow! It sounds like he should be wearing a cape. Right. So he was yeah. firsthand familiar with how diabet how di- how diabetes works. So he was actually the one who came in there, and he tried looking through the ultrasound and. Then he said those words that will forever hold me and my husband. He yeah. looked at us and he said, I'm so sorry, but there's no heartbeat. I don't remember a whole lot about that. I remember the look on his face. I remember screaming. I remember the nurse had to, or actually my doctor put the oxygen mask on me because I was hyperventilating. I remember... Kevin just collapsing on me as we held each other sobbing and just time seemed to stand still and the medical team that was with us, they were all phenomenal, not just them, but throughout the whole experience, they stood back, gave us our time. And then my doctor said, you know, I could either wait for my body to go into labor because I was 38 weeks. I mean, it was going to be happening soon. right? Or we could go ahead and induce labor. I knew there was no way I could wait for my body to go into labor naturally. So we did decide to go ahead and be induced. So they admitted me into labor and delivery and they started the process of inducing labor. And I guess this is the part that a lot of people don't realize with stillbirths. Mm -hmm. Stillbirths are called stillbirths because these women, we actually give birth to these babies. They don't go in and surgically remove the baby. Remove, well, yeah. unless let you do a C-section, yeah, of course. Exactly. But it's not one of those things that it just kind of your body passes a baby or anything like that. No, you're I going mean, through
1: all the emotions and all the pain. Yes. And all the, yeah, yes.
2: Yeah. I mean, I went through the process of being induced. I went through the process of, you know, being checked every couple of hours, you know, the pushing. I went through the full labor and delivery process. Right. The only difference is... You didn't
1: get the joy at the end.
2: Right. The only difference oh. is I knew that my baby was going to be born sleeping. Right. Um, which adds a whole other level of emotion to an already emotional situation. But um came time, and we were ready to deliver. And there were some complications during my delivery. Um, diabetic moms tend to have broad-shouldered babies. Mm. And I was no exception to that. She had very broad shoulders and actually got stuck during delivery. So they actually had to put me under to complete the delivery process. So because I was put under anesthesia, I actually did not see my daughter until several hours after she was born because I had to wake up and everything because I was completely under. Yeah. So when I finally woke up, of course, the first thing I asked was, where's my baby? Where's Lisa? Yeah. So the nurse said, well, she's with a photographer right now. So we actually had a photographer from an organization called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. It's a national nonprofit that takes babies of stillborn, or takes pictures Mm -hmm. of stillborn babies for these families. And so Lisa was actually with this particular photographer. So several hours later, we finally got to see her. And the nurse brought her in, and she was wrapped up. And she was wearing a beautiful purple dress, a purple crocheted hat, and she was wrapped up in a purple and white crocheted blanket. So, of course, my first thought was, oh, my goodness, she's absolutely beautiful and she's absolutely perfect. And she looks just like her daddy. Like, (laughs) carrying this baby for nine months looks nothing like me. (laughs) She's all her daddy. But wouldn't trade that for the world. Um, Nine pounds even at 38 weeks. I mean, she was not a small baby. Mm -hmm. But nine pounds... 21 inches long, her daddy's mini-me, absolute perfection. Just sleeping. Yeah, But she was wearing, like I said, this beautiful purple dress, purple hat, and purple blanket. No idea where these items came from. I was like, we didn't have these. Where did they come from? So, of course, we spent a little bit of time with her, holding her, crying over her, loving on her. And eventually, we did have to turn her over to the nurse to then turn her over to the funeral home. Um, That was probably the second hardest thing for me was watching the nurse walk out with her. But after we were getting ready to leave the hospital, one of my questions was, where did this dress had a blanket come from
1: why don't we take this as a time to take a break sure and we'll just leave everybody hanging so they can find out because this is a really powerful story thank you so much for sharing thank you appreciate it we're going to take a quick break when we get back we'll continue with our guest who's the vice president of southern grace angelic gowns angela westbrook as she tells her incredibly powerful and touching story this is now you're talking on mpb think radio
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Uh, very powerful show today. Thank you for tuning in. October, of course, is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And our guest... Uh, she's incredibly strong and amazing woman. If you've uh, been listening so far, uh, I just can't believe her strength, to be honest with you. She turned tragedy into passion and awareness. So let's welcome back Angela Westbrook. Angela, we were um, talking, Lisa was born, she was she was still born, um, w- but the first time you saw her, she was just dressed beautifully. So that's where we were. Tell us, to, once again, describe what she was wearing, because it was just absolutely sound stunning.
2: So when the nurses brought Lisa in to me and Kevin, she was wrapped up in a hospital blanket, but she was also wrapped up in a purple and white crochet blanket. And she was wearing this absolutely beautiful lavender purple dress and had on this adorable little lavender crocheted hat. Yeah. Um, And... You know, with everything that was going on. But one of the thoughts that occurred to us was, where did this come from? We didn't have anything like this. I mean, we didn't know where it came from. So we just kind of pushed that thought aside for the moment because we had other things to focus Mm -hmm. on, of course. But we knew that ultimately we had to make a couple of decisions um, as far as planning for burial, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, And... We were planning on, once we know she was already dressed and everything, so we were planning on laying her to rest in the gown and hat and blanket. I mean, that was that was her outfit. Yeah. So our intent was to lay her to rest in the outfit that we had seen her in. And it was actually suggested to us that we might want to keep something that was hers. So we did, we made the decision to keep her blanket. So we did, we laid her to rest in the beautiful purple dress and purple hat. And we kept the blanket. So after we had made that decision. And at this
1: point you had no idea where this had come from.
2: Right. We still didn't know where anything had come from okay. at this point. Um, honestly, we were working off the assumption that all that was ours to keep. And that was actually given to hers and not, I guess, loaners that never actually crossed my mind until just now with this conversation. But, yeah. Um, as we were getting ready to leave the hospital, I asked the one of the nurses, I said, where did these items come from? Because I knew me and Kevin didn't have them. I assumed none of our family and friends had gone out and bought something and not told us. We didn't know where everything came from. And she said, oh, there's an organization that donated them to the hospital. Let me see if I can find their card. So the nurse came back and presented me with a, a memory box. Um, That's one of the hard things that a lot of people in the lost community have always said that, They left the hospital with a memory box instead of with my baby. Mm -hmm. And that was very much the case. I did. I got a memory box. Um, The memory box contained several different items. It included a lock of Lisa's hair. It included handprints and footprints and a mold of one of her feet. And I do have to laugh a little bit because I say it's a mold of one of her feet. Because while she looks nothing like me, my baby got my feet. (laughs) I wear a size 11 shoe. I have big feet. My daughter also got my big feet. They could not fit both of her feet on the mold. So she has a mold of one foot because God bless her. She got her mama's feet. But um, the memory box also included the business card of the organization that donated (laughs) the dress, hat, and blanket. And it was an organization called Southern Grace Angelic Gowns. So as we get home and we're kind of, trying to process through everything several people had said they wanted to donate um donate to local nonprofits right. in mm-hmm. Lisa's memory um I think most of them also knew not to send me flowers because I have a black thumb so they <laughs> wanted to do something so a lot of them want to donate in Lisa's memory and so I was trying to decide what organization to donate to you know we were very fortunate there were a lot of amazing people who helped us out both at the hospital and other organizations. I mentioned earlier, now I lay me down to sleep. Um, Southern grace angelic gowns, the funeral home actually did Lisa's funeral completely free of charge. That's a the service really? they offer for, oh, wow. for babies on the coast. There's, I think a couple of funeral homes that do that.
1: You were just surrounded by angels.
2: I was, and I was surrounded by, we were both surrounded by so much love. Yeah. Um, That's what's carried us through, and even
1: I mean, Kevin obviously he was right there with you all all the way too. Without doubt, he was. Sounds like a great guy.
2: He is. He was my rock throughout all of this, and I mean, he did all of this while still grieving himself. Yeah, I mean, that was his. That was his little girl. That is his little girl, right? So we were going through all of this, but whenever I kept asking where to send donations to, something was just telling me Southern Grace Angelic Gowns. So that's. Who I, where I directed them. Unbeknownst to me, SGAG had actually just started raising funds to get their 501c3 license. Like the week that Lisa was born, they had just started raising these funds. So my family and friends throughout all the donations actually helped SGAG reach their goal to get their 501c3 license. Mm. And she had told me that. I was like, wow, that's, that's really amazing. I'm glad that." we could help such a great organization. Because they had
1: given you so much. Right. Um, I mean,
2: yeah. the I've talked about the blanket, but that blanket is the only thing that we have that was our daughters. Right. That blanket has been our comfort throughout so much of the past almost 18 months now. Um, so, yeah, the organization meant so much to me just and what they did for me. I can't imagine what they've done for everybody else as well. Right. So I found out that, you know, they had reached their goal, which was amazing. But I also knew that I wanted to donate my own wedding dress. That's something I'd been trying to decide what to do with my dress for quite a while. Um, I didn't have a need for my wedding dress. It was just taking up space. So before I ever got pregnant, I knew I wanted to do something, but didn't know what. And when I found out that SGAG typically takes wedding dresses, like I said, Lisa's dress was purple. So, But I found out that they usually use wedding dresses. So I said, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to donate my wedding dress. So I contacted the founder, Sophia, and it just so happens it worked out for us to meet up, for me to donate my dress, Mother's Day weekend. It had been right about a month since Lisa was born. That was, talk about a tough day for you. It was was my first Mother's Day weekend. I mean, Mother's Day had always been hard for me because I had wanted a child for so long. So every Mother's Day kind of got harder for me because it was another year where I wasn't a mom. So this was my first Mother's Day, and instead of being the joyful Mother's Day that I had anticipated, it was one of a lot of grief, but at the same time, I'm still a mom, so it was definitely still something that my family and friends wanted me to make sure that I was remembered and honored throughout this special weekend, so that was amazing. But I met up with Sophia, the founder of Southern Grace Angelic Gowns. We met up in the parking lot of the White House Hotel in Biloxi. Um, she worked at Keesler Air Force Base, so it was right off the base. So we met up in this random parking lot, meeting up with this total stranger, no idea who this lady is. Like some is. kind of
1: weird drug deal going Just down. Just about, yeah. yeah,
2: except for, you know, wedding dresses. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we did. We got out of the car, me and Kevin both did, got out of the car and met this lady and I figured I'd pass my dress off, tell her, you know, how much. Thank you, hugs, yeah, and then that was exactly. it. exactly. That was going to be it. Um, no, we embraced. We held each other. We cried. We told stories. She told me about her own past. Yeah, see,
1: she'd gone through a very similar she story. Had. She yeah. had
2: actually lost, um, she's lost four babies. Two four. were stillbirths, two were miscarriages. So she knew the pain that mm-hmm. I was going through. And we did, we sat there, stood there in the middle of this parking lot, holding a wedding dress, just crying and embracing, Um, told my story. I told her that, you know, I had received one of her dresses and how much it meant to me that I had kept the blanket because it just meant that much to me. And I honestly figured that was kind of going to be the end of it. No, she and I kept in touch and she kept supporting me throughout these hard times because while I had an amazing support system in all of our family and friends, most of them could only support me as best they could as an outsider. So that's
1: what Michelle was talking about, too. Because we, right. we try to say platitudes or say things, right. but we don't understand. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Sophia was one of the first ones that I met who really understood what I was going through. And so she did. She checked in on me and we talked and she quickly became a very, very dear friend. Well, she invited me one day to come up and tell my story at one of the workshops. She holds um, monthly workshops for the volunteers to come together to start to work on the dresses together. And she invited me to come up as a recipient of one of the layettes. A layette is the dress, hat, and blanket. So as a recipient of one of the layettes, she wanted me to come and tell the volunteers how much their work meant to a grieving family. Well,
1: how hard was that to stand up and tell your story in front of people?
2: It was very difficult. Yeah. Um, I brought a girlfriend with me. Um, Kevin had to work, so he couldn't come with me that day. But I brought a girlfriend with me, and so I could have a support system with me. And it was actually really gross weather that day, kind of like today. So there weren't, well, there wasn't a huge turnout. So I kind of got to practice telling my story a little bit to a small group, right? And she asked me to come back at the next workshop where they would hopefully have more people. So I came back again and I told my story again. And it got a little bit easier to tell the story and a little bit more healing each time I told it. So I kept getting more involved with this organization that I thought I would just, you know, donating a dress in the end. But in, I think it was March of this year, I came to one of the workshops and at the workshop, she asked me if I would be her VP of the organization. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, here I was. I've known this lady less than a year. I mean, Lisa had wasn't even her one-year birthday yet. This was in March. So I had been on this journey less than a year. And you're still
1: point. grieving, and you're still trying to get past it. Very and, much yeah.
2: so. Very much so. And she wants me to be the vice president of an organization that sews. And were you, Are you big at sewing? I don't sew. Okay. I can sew a button. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And she said, no, I want you to be on my team. I want you to be part of this organization. I want you by my side throughout all this.
1: I think she knew what she was doing.
2: She did. Yeah. She did. Um, she had told me that, you know, she'd wanted this as soon as she had gotten to know me, that she knew this is where we were meant to go with this. So that was... The
1: start. Well, very good. And we'll uh, continue the conversation and we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on this weekend. Uh, the first, I guess the first, I hate to say first annual, but the first butterfly release is going to be going on October 26th and we'll tell a little bit more. Uh This is, um, we're going to take another quick break and we return. We'll continue with Angela Westbrook. She's with Southern Grace Angelic Gowns. And of course, we're going to be talking about, which I just mentioned, the butterfly release, which will happening next weekend. Phone lines are still open if you'd like to give a call. It's 877 MPB ring. That's 8776727464. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Hey, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. It's a little bit wet out there, but we it's of course, nice and sunny in the studio, as always. We've had a great show today, and we've had the pleasure of sitting down with Angela Westbrook. She's the vice president of Southern Grace Angelic Gowns. It's a nonprofit that transforms donated wedding dresses into burial garments for babies who are stillborn or that die shortly after birth. Angela, um, you do have a business background, obviously. I mean, that's what you do in your, for your day job. Yes. Um, you, of course, got that MBA, so you're pretty sharp. So she was pretty smart tapping you to, to, to help out on this. Sure. Um, Let's just go ahead and talk, because you you and I were talking on the way in about the the first SGAG Festival and Wings of Grace Butterfly release. You have been a busy bee on this. Uh, You and a couple of volunteers have been getting this thing ready. So tell me a little bit about it.
2: So we knew early on that we wanted to do a butterfly release um, during Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. Yeah. And it was going to be a chance for families to purchase butterflies and release them in their angel's memory. Yeah. And so in the process of planning this, it kind of kept growing. And it grew into having a full-blown festival and the butterfly release. So our festival is actually scheduled for this coming Saturday, the 26th. It's going to be in Ocean Springs right outside of Biloxi. And it's going to be a day-long festival full of music and food, games and activities. And then, of course, the focus of it is going to be our butterfly release. And families can purchase a butterfly for their angels or any loved one. And we'll read out all the names. And after a moment of silence... The family, if present, will release the butterfly. If the family is not able to be there, we'll release the butterfly for them. And this is actually going to be on Facebook Live. So the ones who can't be there can still can see there. what's going on, can still be there. Exactly. But well, exactly. I think what's so
1: brilliant about this, and, and I want to get a little bit more into depth about what you're doing, but I think what's so brilliant about it, you're going to have all these people that thought they were going through this by themselves.
2: Exactly. And they're going to be together. That's one of the things that we really try hard to do. Most of the people on the board of SGAG, most of us are lost parents. Yeah. So most of us understand what's going on. We tell people that we're available 24 seven. We have a lot of people who will send us messages who've been through something similar and just need somebody to talk to. And, I've gone to collect wedding dresses and I've stood in the middle of parking lots crying with people much like me and Sophia did because these people never knew they had somebody they could talk to. And we do, we try to, we get it. Whether mm. you want to just sit in silence, you want to cry in silence, you want to talk, whatever. We've been there. We we're still there. I mean, right. I'm 18 months out and I'm still very much so grieving. I mean, Sophia, um, She's been grieving for years now. I I mean, you never get over the loss of your child. That's what some people try to put a timestamp on grief. Right. And there is no That's not how it works. There isn't. I mean, that's my baby girl. I'm going to be grieving her for, you know, as long as I live.
1: But what you're doing, though, I mean, you're helping other people and you're not doing it, expecting anything in return. Definitely. But when you're doing it, it's helping you.
2: Very much so. Um, Like I said earlier with you, I went through counseling after Lisa was born and it was enough to let me know that I was grieving in a healthy way. Counseling didn't really help me. Now that's me personally, not everybody, but me personally. It didn't really help me. This is my therapy. Talking about Lisa, talking about my experiences, helping other moms and dads as well. That is my therapy. And that has been more healing for me than, you know, when I went through actual counseling myself.
1: So. What's the what's the symbol? I mean, I understand the symbolism of butterflies, but go ahead and explain so, how that came to be. So
2: I'm not actually sure where butterflies came from, but there is a little saying well, that they we come see. from caterpillars. Well, well, yeah. We all know that. <laughs> yeah. So the relevance of the butterflies right. with you know remembrance. It's like releasing their
1: spirit. Right. Exactly.
2: Yeah. But there is a little quote that a lot of people affiliate with butterfly releases specifically. That says if you tell, if you whisper "I love you" to a butterfly, that the butterfly will carry that message up to heaven to your loved one. Oh. and that's that's what we're doing. Well, there doing. you go. We're yeah. giving these families another chance to say "I love you" to their babies or you know their loved ones, whoever maybe they're remembering. So this is their chance to say "I love you" again to the butterfly to send their message up to heaven.
1: You'll be auctioning stuff. Talk about that. And then also yes. about the, you have a little music too.
2: Yes. So we have a silent auction going on. We have a lot of really amazing items. Um, my favorite auction item is we actually have a football signed by the New Orleans Saints. Ooh, all the team members. Very nice. Including Coach Payton and Miss Benson. All their signatures are on it. Wow. So we have that to auction off. That was a great item that we received. Um, we have several other signed items. Um, we have a sheet music. Um, I forget which music it is now, but it's signed by Steven Tyler. um, It's one of his pieces. So we have a Steven Tyler signed piece. We have a couple of trips to auction off, restaurant gift cards, all sorts of amazing auction items. Um, we're going to have music all throughout the day. We have some local amazing musicians, local musicians that are going to be playing throughout the day. And a big concert that night featuring the Cat Daddies and the Neon Sisters. Um, the Cat Daddies actually includes... Lisa Grace's Peppal or oh. Paul Paul um, as the drummer, so that band is So going to yeah, be They doing, were pretty easy to book. Yes, yes, that was something they we were very very pleased to to do for us. So they'll be doing the concert that night for us as well. And during the concert, we will be pulling the raffle winner of a sign a guitar signed by Chris Stapleton. Ah, uh, so we're sweet. So we're doing raffle items for that as well. Yeah, so,
1: so I mean, there is a lot of opportunities to, to walk away with some great gear very and be able to donate so. money, and of course, I mean. There are hospitals, I mean, you're all over the place now, aren't
2: you? Yes. We are providing layettes to over 45 hospitals. That's incredible. um, Across the country, we have a few overseas to military bases as well. Yeah. And then we do individual requests. We'll have people contact us saying that, hey, my wife, sister, friend is going into labor, delivering a stillbirth. Can you provide something? And we'll overnight it to them.
1: How can people, of course, at this point, can they still get butterflies? And how can they, obviously, your website. Yes. So
2: our butterflies actually need to be ordered by tonight. So we're kind of at crunch time with the butterflies. We will order a few extras. So if you want a butterfly, still try. We may have a couple extras for you. Um, But our Facebook page, um, just look up Southern Grace Angelic Gowns on Facebook. And we have our event is listed on our Facebook page. And you can buy tickets or you can buy the butterflies through there as well as the concert ticket for that night. Um, The Cat Daddies and Neon Sisters is $10. But the music throughout the day is completely free, of course.
1: Angela, thank you so much for coming up here to tell your story. And I know you you helped some people today. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you. We want to thank uh, you for sharing your time with us today. And thanks our guest, Angela Westbrook. She's vice president of Southern Grace Angelic Gowns for joining us as well. If you'd like to hear the show or any other past episodes, again, you can visit mpbonline.org slash Now You're Talking to listen to our podcast. And if you're Now You're Talking is a production of MPB Think Radio and is produced by Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell. And join us next week for Now You're Talking only on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have a great week.